what I noticed really was helpful for me was training less and recovering better. Diz Runs Radio, episode 772, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, today's episode of the show is brought to you by You Need a Budget. That is right. We have an affiliate relationship. I have an affiliate relationship with the the You Need a Budget people. It's a budgeting online budgeting software. Um, and it may not make a lot of sense at first, but if you stop and think about it, you know that our sport tends to be a little bit expensive. You know, there's there's the the things that uh, we all have to go through as far as getting shoes and shorts and you know different different clothing items that we need for the different seasons of running. Um, and then there's all of the extra costs. There's the the gear. There's the the fancy watch. There's the race registrations. There's the books. There's the this. There's the that. There's the training plans. There's the travel to the races. A lot of us think that running is cheap when we get started, and then it doesn't take us long to realize that running is anything but inexpensive, and that's where YNAB can come into play. That's where YNAB could be something that really is helpful for you. Makes a lot of sense for us. Rebecca and I started using it uh, several months ago, uh, kind of the beginning of the summer. We, we I took the plunge and, and signed up for the for a trial. And uh, I mean, in the first few months, hey, there's a little bit of a learning curve, but in the first few months, we had some really unexpected expenses come into play, some some car repairs that we weren't obviously anticipating, some air conditioning repairs that we certainly weren't, uh, or air conditioning replacements, let me get that straight, that we certainly weren't uh, anticipating. And while YNAB isn't some magic software that just creates money out of thin air, it helped us to make sure that not only could we keep the lights on, but we could still afford to... to have some some fun in our life. Still afford to, you know, sign Addison up for dance classes. Still afford to go to Mickey's house once in a while. Still afford to do some things. Still afford to sign up for some races. Still afford to travel to some races. Um, still afford, you know, just kind of, it, it's a great way to see what your money's doing, adjust as necessary. And you can get a, a free 34-day trial anyway, but if you go through my link, disruns.com slash Y-N-A-B, the, the initials for you need a budget, um, you sign up for the free trial there. You get a free 34 days. If you decide you like it and you want to then sign up, it's, it's an annual subscription type of, of model, you'll get an additional free month on top of your free month that you already get to try it out. So you, ha- you do have to sign up in order to get the second free month. But if you, if, if you get into it and realize that this might help you, not just for your running expenses, but just life expenses as well, um, it's, it's been a game changer for us. Uh, like I said, it took us a couple of months to kind of really figure it out. But now that we've got it pretty well fine-tuned for our family's finances, um, it's it's making a difference. It's making a difference. And I, I think it will make a difference for you too uh, if if that's something that you might need to improve upon is you're kind of budgeting and, and making sure your finances are set so you can sign up for the next race. So you can do the next big thing, check the next you know box on your running uh, bucket list. So check it out if you are interested. And if you have any questions or you're kind of struggling with, with figuring things out, they have a lot of great demos and classes and free resources as well, but I'm happy to answer any questions from my experience with it as well. So let me know, but uh, disruns.com slash Y-N-A-B, disruns.com slash Y-N-A-B. And now let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, today's guest is a woman that uh, has overcome more than a few injuries during her years competing in races across a, a variety of different disciplines. But those setbacks have definitely helped her to develop a passion and, and maybe even a new career as, as it went, or as it were, or however I'm trying to say that, to help other people um, and also obviously help herself stay healthy You know, and across all those gamuts of runners, crossfitters, triathletes, um, basically just stay healthy, keep working towards the goals, pursuing goals, and, and reaching farther without breaking down. And uh, if you've been listening to the show for very long at all, you know that I can't resist a good conversation about running injuries and injury prevention. So uh, without any further ado, it's my pleasure to welcome Miss Allison Heilig to the show. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Allison. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, certainly. Um, and guys, if you want to check out more about what Allison's got going on in her book, which is coming out uh, in in 
in November, um, which we'll be talking about that quite a bit as we go as well. But uh, the pursuit of awesome.com is the website with all all things, posts and books and pre-orders and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and if you're on the social medias, which I mean, come on, we're all on social media pretty much. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Allison's at the same handle in both places, which is always nice. And it's just uh, mostly just her name, but it's it's in front of it. So it's Allison Heilig. That's I-T-S-A-L-I-S-O-N-H-E-I-L-I-G. And if you're uh, out on the go and the spelling is like, whoa, wait a minute, what was all that? You know where to go. Dizruns.com slash 772 is the link back to the show notes for today. We'll have everything linked up like we always do. We'll have the link to, to pre-order the book right there on, on the show notes as well. Dizruns.com slash 772. So, Allison, the way we always start off each episode of the show is with a very simple question that uh, for some people it's an easy one to answer. Some people it's a little bit more difficult, but uh, it's just a good kind of launching off point for the conversation. And that's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Interesting. Yeah, so I'm... Um... I, you know, over the past few years, it's kind of changed. Um, I, for the longest time, my, my favorite uh, distance to race was the 50K. Um, I just found that it was challenging enough to really, really test me. And it allowed me to also kind of slip marathons into my training schedule and just stay there for training, which was always kind of a fun conversation to have with people. It's, oh, it's just a training run. Right. Um, but over the last few years, it's it's changed a lot. I've 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 kind of added other things into my life, and things have been kind of moving, and I've been coaching more. Um, so I've I've moved into this space now where the ten miler is actually my favorite distance, um, and and it's really a simple explanation for why I don't have to train for it, right. but it's long enough to feel like a longer run. But I. I I, and over the last few years, as that's shifted into that, I've actually realized that's a it's a race where I still have a lot of PRs that I can squeak out even without training. So it's been really interesting going from the very long end of things to uh, moving into this space where I actually I, I, I like the 10 miler and even the half marathon distance now a lot more. Yeah, the, the 10 miler is, is one of those answers that pops up every so often. I feel like every time it does, I say the same thing. Like, I wish there were more 10 milers. Like, I, I do too. They're, they're not around very often. No, they're not. I mean, I'm in the Washington, D.C. area, so we have the Army 10 miler, mm -hmm. which is a massive one. And um, the last few years, I've been running like Broad Street in Philly because that's close by. Mm -hmm. And they're huge 10 milers, but where are all the other 10 milers? Yeah, I, I feel like that's 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 the recipe. Is you got to be in kind of that D.C., Philly, uh, New York area where you can you can find some of those races. But outside of that, it's it, we had one here in in Florida for I don't know, it, the, it was like three years or two years, something like that. The first year, everybody ran it. The second year, it was like oh, the novelty had worn off, and they were like, yep, well, we're not Aww. doing this anymore. It was it was well, a bummer. That's unfortunate. It's a, yeah, <laughs> I really love the distance, and and there's even like. Just jumping a little bit farther to go, I mean, you know, most people will say 10 miler, just do half marathons. Mm -hmm. But uh, for the half marathon, I feel like there's a little bit more mental prep that I need to do for it and physical prep that I need to do for it. And the 10 miler is just one of those ones where I feel like I'm generally running enough on a regular basis that um, I don't necessarily need to do a structured training plan around it, which really works well for the type of lifestyle that I have at this particular moment in time. Um, it used to be that that training aspect of it was the thing that I just wanted to have in my life. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to be like in some sort of training season, whether that's an off season or a base building season or, you know, a race season. I, every every phase of the, the year, or every part of the year had like a, a protocol attached to it. And I, and I loved that structure of it. And then as I started to move into working, um, with clients and running my own business, and it's kind of nice that to not have that aspect mm -hmm. right now. And so I anticipate I'll circle back to the longer distances over the next few years. But for now, like every time I find a 10 miler around, I'm like, okay, where do I sign up? <laughs> right. I got to do this 10 miler. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, they're fun and and, and you, yeah. you're right you know it's 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 close enough to the half marathon but it's it's still it's 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 far enough away that it is a it's a completely different race and the tactics yeah. of racing it are, are completely yeah. different so it's it's yeah. uh it's a fun distance i wish there you and, know, anybody listening put make some more of these bloody 10 mile yes. races and, and then yes, people please. show up and run them so that they stick around and, and last for sure i feel like i just feel like it's a, it's a nice it's a good mix between quickness and endurance. Yes. And for me right now, like that's a great balance for me is I, I don't want to, I'm not really into, I never really have been into running the shorter races. 
Um, I'm just, I've never been a, a runner that enjoys going particularly fast or doing speed training. Right. Um, so like for me, I always loved just going longer and that was my wheelhouse. It was like, Oh, okay. I'm getting better at this distance. Let me go longer. Mm-hmm. Let me go longer. And some people are drawn to the speed, but I've gotten faster over the last five years from ages 35 to, to about 39 now, um, I've started to get faster. And so now I'm kind of enjoying that, that aspect of, of being able to run something that still feels like an endurance race, but for me allows me to kind of get some speed in the wheels. I wasn't planning on going this route, but since, since you brought it up, um, and getting faster over the last five years, I know that that's something that a lot of people are afraid of as, as you get older, at some point, you know, your, your faster days are, are going to be behind you. Um, any, any idea what has led to the increases? Not that you're, not that you're old by any stretch, but you know, <laughs> as, as, as you get older, I mean, there's a lot of people like, I mean, shoot, I'm, I'm 37. So we're right there. We're not, we're not too far apart there in age. And it's like, you know, I, I look back at like, oh, I haven't PR'd in this distance in a few years. Like I, I feel like I still can, but like, I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, you know, so as, as you've gotten faster in the last five years, any idea what has, has kind of led to that? Yeah. Um, so part of it was just coming down in mileage. I think anytime mm-hmm. you're carrying an enormous number of miles when I was, when I was running, you know, multiple marathons a year, multiple 50 Ks a year, the mileage was really high and that was really intentional. And so it was harder for me to really justify spending time fine tuning the speed aspect mm-hmm. of it. Um, because the, and the courses are so variable right. when you're, when you're looking at a 50 K, I mean, you're on a trail most likely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, trail conditions from day to day vary so widely. It was it was more about just being able to be on my feet for that long and carry on and really feel strong. Um, But as I sort of shifted away from the higher mileage and as I started to get a little bit older, uh, what I noticed really was helpful for me was training less Mm -hmm. and recovering better, really kind of when I say training less, I mean running a little bit less um, really helped me to get faster because I was able to really focus on those quality miles, those speed miles, the, the different effort runs that were in my schedule, because I wasn't so burnt out from just running long, slow distance in order to kind of condition myself to be able to run at the 50 K length or the marathon length. Um, and then the, you know, also another shift was how much more strength training I put into, my, um, my training plan during the week. So I, if you see my Instagram feed, you'll see that I spend a, a lot of time in the gym strength training and, uh, I'm, I, I'm a CrossFit athlete. I do some competitions there as well. And so adding in another modality, um, that was challenging me in a completely different way really benefited my running. Um, when I started uh, doing CrossFit, I was terrible at it. I mean, if it was running in the in the workout, I was like, woohoo, you know, like, this is my wheelhouse and I would just blow everyone away. Um, but anything other than that was more challenging for me. So um, I found that not only did adding, you know, some other type of training modality into my running um, made me faster, but it also allowed me to, tra- to train more frequently without feeling so beat up by it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a combination of both, but I think that as we age and the, you know, the athletes that I work with, one of the biggest things we focus on as we age, um, is, you know, being more selective and skillful about the way that you train, um, can really go a long way. Just making sure that you have adequate time to recover and that your, your hard days are hard, but then they're followed by days that are easy so that the training adaptations continue beyond the, you know, those ages where we tend to think that they're going to slow down. Yeah. I, I do a lot of, um, heart rate training. People that listen know I talk about heart rate training all the time, Mm -hmm. but what, what always gets lost in the shuffle is that, yes, I do most, you know, the vast majority of my runs, they're all, you know, heart rate easy. But when I go yeah. hard, it is hard. Like there's, hard. there's no messing around. Like it is, it is all out and it might not be very much. It might not be super frequent, but boy, it, it, it makes a difference when, you know, you're not kind of in that constant state of sort of fatigued, but not really, but not rested. And every run is kind of moderate. And your heart is just a little bit more hard, but it's, it's, it's crazy when you really separate those out, how much of a difference that makes. And yeah, hitting the gym too. That's, that's huge for, for, uh, all, you know, all commanders of injury prevention, which we'll get into and, and all kinds of things as well. 
Yeah. And I think that that's really the key is that as you get older, it becomes more and more important that you keep your hard days hard, your easy days easy, and that you're not turning every day into a medium day, which Mm -hmm. is what happens when all that stuff starts to bleed into each other. And then you start to feel like you're in this plateau and that you're a little bit stuck in terms of the training adaptations. And, you know, it's, it's, for some people, it's really that simple of, like you said, just finding what's easy and then using, you know, your discipline to stay easy on the easy days and then really giving it everything you've got on those hard days so that it doesn't just turn into mediocre across the board. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, I always love when somebody comes on and basically says the same types of things I've been saying forever, um, made up forever, but at least for the last couple of years, but it's a different voice and it's a different way of saying it. And it's always, it's always that hope that it's going to get across to somebody for whatever reason, my message hasn't gotten across, but here's somebody else saying some of the same things. So thank you for, for sharing that Allison. Um, going back in time a little bit, how, how did you get started in, uh, into the sport of running? Is it something that's always kind of been part of your life in some form or another, or, or when did you stumble down this, uh, this path? Oh no, I was, um, uh, when I was growing up, I was, I was more of an, a creative kind of academic, uh, personality. I, I really was just kind of mediocre in every sport that I participated in, um, all the way through college. And I participated, you know, I was, I was a volleyball player. Um, I played rugby in college, um, but I was, and I played softball when I was younger and in all of those sports, running is just kind of a punishment mm-hmm. for messing up. Um, so I, I always kind of approached it that way. I had the mentality that I know a lot of people share, um, especially outside of the running world that running is the devil. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was, I don't know, it was, I was 25 and I was working in Washington, DC. I would live right outside Washington, DC. And it's a, it's an intense area. Um, and at the time I was working in family law litigation And, um, there was a particular time right around when I started running where, um, my, my parents, um, were getting divorced and my sisters much younger than me were caught in the middle. And so I had that running in the background. And then there was this, um, this, this was my day job too. Mm. So it felt like it was just all the time I was being pounded by, um, this, the stress and this emotionality of, of what it's like to deal with families, you know, kind of falling apart. And, um, I went, I remember one day I got up with my mom and my husband said something to me and he was being sweet, but I, it just set me off. (laughs) And I, (laughs) you know, whenever you're kind of had a hair trigger, you know, people can say things. And so he said something and I just, I walked out, I walked out and I went outside and I just had like normal lounging clothes on. And I was walking around the block and I just broke into a run. And I, I, you know, there was no thought about it. It was not like, Hey, I'm going to go for a run. I mean, I did not have the right shoes on. Mm-hmm. I did not, was not dressed for it. I had never wanted to run in my life. I had done everything that I could do to avoid running. In fact, up until that point. And, um, I only got like a quarter of a mile and then I went back to the walk and I was breathless and I was sweaty and I, but I just, for some reason in that moment, it clicked. Like it felt so good to push myself in that way. And it was, I I walked back to the house and, you know, the next day I went out and I did the same thing and I went like a half a mile. And then I was like, I'm kind of tapping out. Right. (laughs) And, but it felt what it never, it never had clicked with me before, but at that time in my life, it was absolutely perfect. And then from that point on, it just kind of grew. Like I, I was like, I love the way this feels. So I went out and I bought running shoes and I bought running clothes and I signed up for the Marine Corps 10K and, you know, I started to go down this road and, you know, I, I, in the early days I didn't have all that many injuries, but then as time went on, I started to get more and more injured. So, um, I've, I've not been running. I started running when I was 25 then I would say. And, uh, since then it's, it's, I think as most runners do, it's, kind of evolved over the years Mm -hmm. to be different things at different times in my life. And, uh, you know, there are different times where I spend more time on the trails, different times whenever I spend more time in races. There are different times in my life where I really want to be challenged and I'll sign up for something new and different and weird and really push myself. And then there are times when I just kind of coast with my running because it's the stability. It's this Mm -hmm you know, meditation, it's, it's this, this calming grounding thing or presence in my life. Um, but yeah, no, I was not, (laughs) I'm not, I did not grow up a runner. 
I never expected I would be a runner. And now my whole world pretty much revolves around <laughs> running. Yeah, I, I know that story. That's that's pretty much my, uh, my, my, my thing as well, where it was, you know, it was punishment. This sucks. I'm never going to do this. And then, you know, this, that, and the other, and pretty soon it's, it's, you're hooked and you, you, you can't get away from it. And, and like, just like you, it's, it's my life too. It's, it's crazy how that works out sometimes. Yeah. 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 So, um, like I said in the, in the intro, running injuries are kind of, kind of my jam. And I know that kind of, at least I, I feel like from looking through websites and, and things like that, that's kind of has a, a decent part of your story as well. Um, yeah. but for, for your reference, uh, my background is in athletic training and sports medicine. So like I've, I've worked with all kinds of athletes and, um, you know, putting pieces back together and, and things like that. Um, but you know, l- like we kind of alluded to, or like I alluded to in the, in the intro, you know, having some injuries that kind of helped lead to, to the career path that you're on now. But, but, uh, can we dive into at least for a second, what some of those, those injuries, uh, you know, what some of your injury history happens to be in the sport? Sure. Um, it's fairly extensive, especially considering that I have not been running that long. I mean, I've been right. running for 14 years, um, so in that 14 years, I jammed a lot of running injuries <laughs> in there. Um, so, you know, in the early days when I was running shorter distances, like I said earlier, there wasn't much, most of it was fixed by realizing you just, you can't go into just any athletic store and buy just any pair of running right. shoes that Whatever there's actually, on sale. those got, those gotta be good, right? Like that's, right, that's good. Exactly. <laughs> oh, these look cool. I like the colors, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, like. So like I had initially, like I've never had knee pain in my life. I've been very lucky there, Uh, but I started to have a little bit of knee pain. And so that was fixed with, with just realizing that I needed more supportive running shoes. Um, But then, you know, uh, as, as I started to, I think my first major running injury was training for the Las Vegas marathon. It would have been my first marathon. I wasn't able to complete it because I dislocated a joint in my foot. Um, I am hypermobile. So I have a lack of support around certain key joints in my body, which is a trend that Mm -hmm. sort of moved through the rest of my running career and hasn't been an issue recently because of the way that I train now. But um, I had a a subluxation of the CC joint in my foot, Mm -hmm. which um, took me out of the Las Vegas marathon, but I ended up running the half. So that delayed my marathon debut. Um, but then in, 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 during that same time, when I was dealing with that, I had piriformis syndrome, I had shin splints that ultimately resulted in stress fractures in my tibia. Um, I had, uh, most significantly, oh, I had it band pain, like most mm-hmm. runners, I think at some point in their life had I had chronic issues with my it band only on one side. Um, and then most significantly was the hip fracture. I, uh, had a stress fracture in the femoral neck on my right hip, uh, just a few days after I turned 30, um, which was, you know, potentially a devastating injury. It was, yeah. was 12 months of recovery. Um, and you know, so I, 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 I get it. I know what it's like. I, most of my, my injuries kind of line up with the things that I see in other people. I have a little bit of an impingement scenario in the front of that right hip, which was ultimately, which, led to the, uh, the fracture in the, the hip. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> I, you know, like I read through articles of running injuries and I'm like, yep, had that had one, that, yep. had that one, <laughs> had that one. I've been very lucky. My knees have, um, have always been very healthy, but my feet, um, and my hips have taken the brunt of it. Right. Right. You know, when it, like you said, that's a lot of injuries in not a lot of time, and, and sp- certainly the the um, the hip. But I mean, all of them significant enough that uh, yeah. yeah, I feel like you know, for for a normal person, and not saying that you're abnormal. I say we're all abnormal as, as runners. Maybe is where I'm going with that. But like, was there ever a time when you were just like, you know what, like maybe this running thing just isn't for me? Or were you were you just clearly you were so hooked at that point that there was no you know, no giving up, I guess. So, you know, and this is one of the things that I talk about in my book and the preface as I am sort of leading the reader into why it was that I felt so important to completely switch careers and start working with runners in the way that I do. And even to write the book, why I felt it was so important that it needed to get out there was, you know, yes, I did have those moments where I was like, maybe running's not for me, you know, like, and I even asked my orthopedist that whenever my hip broke, you know, I'm sitting in his office, he's, he's delivering this, this earth shattering news to me. Running was the only way that I did fitness during that time. So it was 
absolutely devastating to hear that it was going to be that long of a recovery and there was no way around it. You can't, cannot run on a, on a hip that's got a fracture in it and it's going to take a long time to heal. And there's just no way to speed up bone healing. So, you know, you're, you're in it for the long haul there. And, and I remember I looked at him and I said, you know, should I stop running? You know, I was starting to get very frustrated by the number of injuries that I was experiencing. And he, he said to me, no, I mean, there's just some things that you need to change. There, this, there's, I don't think that you have enough support around your hip joints. I think that's what's leading to this stuff is bumping into stuff scenario, which is what ultimately caused the fracture, um, or at least that's what we're guessing. And, you know, I... And I think there was always this part of me, you know, I've always been very stubborn. So my mom will tell you that if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to throw everything that I have in proving you wrong. And I wasn't willing to accept even from myself that this wasn't for me. I, I really enjoyed it. I got so much out of it. And I've always been a questioner of why not me? Like, why, why couldn't I do that? You know, and I, I have always been pushing that um, that, that limit, that boundary. And, and I just would refuse to believe that I needed to give up on running. And so it was like my mission in life on that, that hip fracture to come back stronger, to come back from that and have my thirties be the strongest running years of my life. And I went, I started to enrolled in some different programs. So I was in family law litigation and corporate law prior to four years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and these injuries prompted me to start going out there and trying to find solutions to this, to find a way to make my body more durable so that I would be able to do the things that I enjoy doing because I just have never been the personality that accepts that I can't do the things mm -hmm. that I enjoy doing. And uh, so I, I you know, did some, some work where I went and got my CPT, so I became a personal trainer, mostly just out of selfish reasons for myself. And then beyond that was corrective exercise. And I started to do some work with um, self-myofascial release and you know, kind of just exploring and got really, really in depth with anatomy and physiology. Over the last four years, I've done cadaver dissections of six uh, unfixed human bodies to kind of explore like what is in there and how does it work and how does it fit together and what can go wrong. And I've really just dove headfirst into trying to understand how the body functions, how it dysfunctions and what can we do about it? Mm -hmm. I can, I can understand the idea of doing some things, you know, whether it's getting some certifications, taking some classes, doing some research on your own to help try to, to, for lack of a better way of saying it, to help fix yourself. Mm -hmm. But the career shift, was that something that was, I mean, was that something that had been kind of in the back of your mind anyway of, of trying to get out of law or like, no. what was the impetus to, to go all in on not just fixing yourself, but helping others as well? So, you know, at the time I, I was working, I actually had worked my way into a really great job with a great boss and great coworkers. Um, and I really felt like, you know, like this is, this is a great place to be. I was 35 mm -hmm. and then it just, I don't know, it occurred to me one day, I'm here, I've arrived at this place that I never thought I would reach within my career and I'm happy and, and relatively satisfied with it. But I just, I, there was this deep part of me that was not satisfied. Like I, I realized that, you know, I was good at my job and as jobs go, it was a good job to have. And I thought that it was what I wanted, but, you know, being in that job and having it be you know, I show up every day and I crank through a bunch of contracts and I make the corporation that I work for more money was not fulfilling enough for me. It was not checking a box that I, I really felt needed to be checked. And that was just this idea of being passionate about the work that I do and to feel like I'm contributing to the world and that I'm helping people to do what it is that I was doing in my life, which was to go out there and pursue something awesome at mm -hmm. all points in my life to just whatever it is in whatever area of my life, I was always just reaching for something a little bit more because I was, I was really enamored by this idea of there's more potential out there than we're currently accessing in ourselves and in our lives. 
So I, I, I started to see that the work that I was doing, you know, um, in pursuing awesome in my own life was really inspiring other people to do the same and hearing their stories really lit me up. I was really, really into just hearing how people like myself would go from this place of where running was supposed to be empowering. It was really making them feel weak and fragile and, and it shouldn't be that way. And what I found was that the solutions for me were surprisingly simple when you understood a little bit more about how to work with your body. And I could not bear the thought of not sharing that. Like I felt like, great, I've done such an awesome job making myself more durable, but I have now all of this valuable information that can help other people. And then it was like the stars aligned, you know, like I was looking for that, that place of passion within my life to be contributing to, you know, helping other humans navigate their experience and, and allowing them to feel like this thing that you really want to empower you can be empowering. You just have to start from a place of compassion and understanding of what's happening in your body and then start working with that. So I, I was, I, I did both things for about six months. I, um, I was working, corporate law is generally something you work long hours. Right. <laughs> um, I was working long hours and then on the side, I was helping people deal with their injury issues and helping them to become more durable so that they could go out there and do the things that they wanted to do in their life that really brought them joy. And I, I did both for, for about six months and I ended up in the hospital with shingles. Mm. Um, apparently that was too much. <laughs> so <laughs> I was faced with this decision of, you have to choose one. And it was, it was a no brainer for me. It was, you know, like I, I value living a life of passion and being of service to others. And so I knew that I live in the DC area. If this, I'm going to give it a go. If this doesn't work out, I can always, can always find another yeah. job. Um, and that was uh, um, four years ago, almost to the day of this interview that, um, I, I finished up my career in corporate, the corporate world and embarked on my own. Well, con congratulations on, on on breaking out and uh, obviously nice. having, um, you know, four years. That's that's I think I, I don't know what the stats are, but I feel like that's a lot longer than most. So that's uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, and I definitely could not have anticipated. Whenever I quit, I just knew that this I was going to do something that I loved doing, and I was going to be of service to others. Like that was that was that was the business plan, mm -hmm. and it was really not like me at all to not have you know a one year plan and a two year plan and a five year plan. It was just like nope, you know what. I, I, I followed my brain for so long and it led me to that point and now I'm going to follow my heart. And so I just, I just started working with people on spreading the message and educating myself and, and putting the message out there that it's possible for you to work through some of this stuff that you might feel is very overwhelming. And, you know, it, over time, it just, it, it, it evolved and I would never would have imagined certainly, you know, four years ago as I was walking out the door of my last day in corporate America that I would write a book in this right. next four years. That was not on my radar. Well, and, and, and as, as it were, here we are, the, the book, the durable runner, a guide to injury free running is, is coming soon to an, an at least an Amazon. I don't know if it's going to be, is it going to be other places as well? Yep. You can get it anywhere you buy anywhere, books. Anywhere books are sold coming soon. The, the durable runner. Um, when did, when did, you know, like you said, you walking out of, of corporate America almost four years ago, no plans of writing a book, which I feel like that's, that's a lot. Like I had no plans of writing a book and I'm working on book number two. So, you know, it, just, you know, enjoy this one while, while it, while it gets out of you. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> and you're going to say you're never going to do another one. And then pretty soon you'll be, you'll be starting on book number two. But, um, when did the seed for, for book number one get planted? When, when did you decide that, you know, not only, um, obviously you're, you're able to help and, and work with other people, but like, I want to write a book and maybe even reach a wider or be able to help more people that way. When, when did you kind of come to that realization? Well, that was, um, two years ago. I was, um, I do a lot of traveling for different trainings. Um, and I was driving to North Carolina to spend a week with my mentor, Sage Roundtree, um, who's been in the, 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 the yoga for runners, yoga for athletes mm. space for a long time. Um, and so I was, I was driving down to North Carolina by myself from, from Maryland. And so it's a four and a half hour drive and I had a lot of space and I just, I, it, it just came to me in that drive. And, you know, sometimes when you're in the shower or just in right. random places, you have strange ideas that pop in. 
And then, you know, sometimes they're very fleeting. You're like, it was only a good idea at the time. And then you're like, nah, that won't ever work. Right. Um, but this was one that as I was driving, it was like, I I'm putting this information out there to my clients. And if I really want to be able to help more people than I can physically touch in my lifetime, which is my goal to be mm. of service, to help people to spread this message that there is possibility out there for you to be able to run or do other things that you enjoy doing without injury. Um, I, it, it held on this idea just kind of held on to me. And when I got there, I pulled into town and into, um, Carbo, North Carolina, where Sage lives. And I got into town and she, she texted me and said, come over, let's have a glass of rosé. Let's talk and catch up. And so I got over there and we were catching up and I just mentioned to her very casually, you know, like, Hey, while I was driving down here, I had this idea for writing a book. And from there, like it just like the gas pedal was pressed because Sage, you know, she's an amazing mentor in person that was just like, yes, let's do it. So she set up an interview with me um, with her agent while I was in town face to face. And he loved the idea, too. And during all of that, like talking about it with people who were so excited about it, really made kind of validated this feeling of like, I, I, I really I have information that can benefit people. And I just, there's no way I can see them all, you know, mm -hmm. like there's no way that I can really touch them all and get that message to them. Some of them will never come in contact with me unless I write this book. And so I was really driven by this, this desire to get this information into the hands of as many people as possible. And I really felt like the platform of the book would be a great way to do that. And uh, then we, from there, we began the process of shopping for publishers. And I kind of expected as a new person, a new voice in the space um, who had just, you know, at that point, I was only two years out of corporate America, mm -hmm. two years into the field that I would be self-publishing. But we were fortunate enough to find a publisher that would publish it for me um, with McFarland under their, their new imprint top light. Um, they were looking for some content that sort of pulled together the mind and body, the holistic aspect of how to train yourself um, to participate in sports. So, yeah, it was. And then, you know, I when I signed the contract for the book, I was kind of like, what did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> like, that was the first moment where I just thought, like, this is like actually going to happen because mm -hmm. for a long time or anybody who's ever gone down this road of, of dealing with, with publishers and writing proposals and, you know, all of that. It's like at that moment, it's like, now I actually have to write the book and this is going to become a thing. Mm -hmm. And that was in October of last year that the contract was signed. And since then it's been just a whirlwind of writing and testing and then filming and, you know, all of that stuff. And, and now soon proofing mm -hmm. and, yeah, it's been a crazy process. I like the last two years, I don't even know where it's gone. Really, <laughs> It's like, whoa, and now it's almost November and it's almost out. So yeah, it was just, you know, sort of, you know, kind of that same idea that I, I left, I left corporate America with was I, I, I have this information and I want to share it. I want to be able to help people that were in that situation because I know how incredibly deeply painful it is mm -hmm. to participate in something that brings you joy, but have it feel like it's breaking you down. And you start to feel like there's something wrong with you. Right. Like maybe I'm not, maybe it's just not going to work for me, or maybe this thing, I'm going to be separated from this thing that brings me joy for the rest of my life. And I just, I, I just refuse <laughs> to believe that for most people is the case. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, Oh, yes. Yes. On so many levels. Um, talking about, about the, the book a little bit, uh, I mean, we'll probably be pretty much on the book for the rest of the rest of the time, but, um, what was, what was the hardest part so far of getting to the, to the point now? What was, what was that, that, you know, of the, of the process to this point of not quite being you know, fully out there, out the door just yet, but we're, you know, the end is in sight. What's been the most difficult part of the process for you? Uh, wow. The, the most difficult part of the process for me was, when, so I coach on a daily basis. I work with people that are dealing with pain and injuries through all of the different modalities that I offer. And, you know, I have the luxury of letting my philosophy on dealing with pain and injury be this living, breathing, dynamic, flowing thing that changes from day to day that, you know, based on, I'm always open to learning more. And I, I, I don't, I, I don't believe that I, I know 
you know, everything. So I'm always open to, to more information and you, and bodies are weird, you know, like people respond differently to different things. And the nervous system is such a wild card when it comes to pain and injury, you know? So even if you're, if you're dealing and addressing with the nuts and bolts that make up a human body, you still have this great big unknown that you have to deal with. So, you know, like, I don't think you can ever really get comfortable with knowing what you know and having it apply broadly to people. So, mm-hmm. you know, my philosophy and the way that I approach stuff is just to come into the room to hear what my what my patient or my students or my clients are saying to me, what my athletes are saying to me, and then be in the experience with them and be willing to try a bunch of things to see what works best for them. So it's it's not like this firm codified protocol that I have. It's very much fluid. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't work right. <laughs> when you're writing a book, right? So I guess I, I really underestimated how difficult it would be to, to take something that changes so much from day to day that's so individualized and creating a system or writing a book that would write it all down and it would exist that way permanently, and, and there's a lot of, you know, soul searching that happens in that process, too, because you have to be able to clearly articulate things that you're not in the room to explain to this person or to mm-hmm. walk them through. And then the other challenge there is that you really have to you really have to know what you believe and you have to know why you believe what you believe. Are you just telling yourself a story? Is there a blind spot there? Like there's this deep investigation of everything that you believe and and really making sure that you're articulating it well and that you truly believe it and that that it's based on evidence and that it would stand up to criticism that it would stand up to you know being challenged so you know i i knew what i knew and i knew what i, I knew, had a general idea of what i didn't know mm-hmm. but taking all of that which exists so fluidly in life and putting it into a book um, where there's not an exchange of feedback was a monumental challenge. Yes, yes, oh, it, it definitely is. And then um, I know that what I've I've noticed with my book, and and I hope that you don't notice this with yours, but you, you probably will. Is you know a couple of years from now you go back and look through it and be like, gosh, you know, like the same type of thing. You're you're, you're you learn you learn you learn new things, and so yeah. you're like, oh man, I wish I could go back and change that little bit. And, and it's not a, it's never going to be a major thing, but it's like those little right. details that that yeah. come back to haunt you. Like, gosh, this oh, I should have explained this a little bit better, or I should have I wish I would have known this then. And oh, I mean, that that part yeah. never ends. And I um I was as I was working through the book, I was working with a mentor named Carl Pauli. Um, who wrote a book and, you know, does a lot of stuff with like lifestyle design. And, and one of the things that he told me, one of the most valuable things he told me was when you get the proofs back, you have to understand that that book is now a snapshot of the past mm. and your job is never to make it current. It's to allow it to, to be an accurate representation of what you believed in the moment that you finished the book. And so then when I started to look back at the book after I submitted it, I was able to kind of separate myself from this need to like bring it up to date, you know, because in the last few months I've done more training and I've done more work with, with, with clients and I've learned so much more and I've learned how to better articulate what it is that I need to say. And so as I sort of sift through the edits and the proofing process, it's like, remember, this is the past. And you just need to make sure that it accurately represented that moment. You don't need to bring it current. And that felt so much less overwhelming to me um, because I, I have the same thing where it's like, I'll look at it and be like, oh, but I could say it better. And mm-hmm. I could, you know, but like then it never gets done, right. <laughs> you know, right. and at some point the book needs to be done and in people's hands. So, and, yeah. and, and then the fact that and this is great advice from your mentor, but, you know, the fact of the matter is we're talking about one percent of the book that you might change or two percent, right. you know, like yeah. like yeah. the vast majority of it, 97, 98, 99 percent of it is all still like the stuff you're like, yep, this is this. These are these are the things. Yeah. So, you know, but and but, yeah, and if, I think if you do, if you do a good job in the drafting process of really investigating what you believe, you're only ever those are all foundational stones that you'll add more to, but they never really like you said, there's just, there's not that much that change on a, changes on a fundamental level. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all just kind of the extra stuff that I think I could add to or change or tweak. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so for people that are, that are listening, the, the Durable Runner again is the is the title of the book. Um, what what do people uh, what can people expect when they get their hands on on a copy? What what are they what are they getting? What what is what's going to be uh, um, required of them to help them hopefully stay uh, you know stay more durable, stop breaking down, and 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 keep uh, moving forward in their in their running or triathloning or whatever uh, athletic endeavors that they have in front of them. Yeah, so uh, the book is, um, it's, it's a mixed modality book. It's kind of a multidimensional approach to creating greater physical and mental durability um, because injuries can, can happen on the physical level or on the mental level. So I think it's important to address both. Um, I don't think you can separate them as easily as we sort of think. So the book uses um, mobility work, um, some gentle mobility work that's just designed to kind of maintain the the ranges of motion that we're not using repetitively when we're running, which is really important. And it's it's also really important if you spend, you know, huge chunks of your day sitting, Mm. which so many of us do, even whenever, even me, I work for myself and I still spend a lot of time sitting you know, and just recognizing that the patterns that are building up in your body over those number of hours of sitting, the time that you're spending running and doing other stuff in your day probably can't compete with the adaptation that's occurring in your tissues to sitting. So, you know, just a little bit of spending time with your major joints in, in different positions can be incredibly therapeutic and go a long way towards maintaining ranges of motion that you're not repeating over and over and over again. You're not reinforcing through your behavior or your postural patterns um, to make sure that your body, your joints are able to move through that range of motion for the rest of your life. And so there's the mobility work that's in it. Um, there is uh, self myofascial release. Um, so using uh, massage balls to target specific areas where there's a tendency for, you know, um, hypertonicity, some mm-hmm. of that, you know, strain to happen in the muscles um, where there's this decrease in circulation, decrease in oxygenation, that, that hypoxia effect where the tissues just feel kind of cruddy all the mm-hmm. time and you're not really sure how to put your finger on it. Um, and it's and it's less about beating your tissues into submission and more about using that modality skillfully to really facilitate better function in the tissues. I think there's this idea that you just get on a ball and you just push and push and push and make it hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's actually more finesse involved than that. If you really want to make that modality work to help optimize performance in the tissues. So I cover a bit about that. And then, um, and then there's the corrective exercise aspect, which is really focused on for runners, making sure that the, the muscles in your body that you're not using repetitively either for sitting or, um, to, to run with are, are balanced so that the joints aren't being pulled in an unbalanced or, or asymmetrical way that you know, allows the joint structures, the passive joint structures, the, the cartilage, the, the fluids, the, the sacs, all the stuff that's inside the joint protecting that bone to bone rubbing mm-hmm. aren't being pressed into because the muscles from front to back or side to side or top to bottom are pulling the bones in a way that would cause that there to be wear and tear in the joints over time. And this, the idea is just that if you are, if you kind of recognize what your own patterns are and what you really find difficult, because the whole book is laid out by body part. Mm-hmm. So if you're struggling with something in your body, it can be helpful to look at the whole book, but also you can just kind of zoom in on the spot that's bothering you. And I give you lots of different tools from all three of those modalities to explore And then you go through them and you spend a little bit of time just paying attention to what helps you feel better and you do the stuff that's helpful and you can skip the rest. So the idea behind the book was just by understanding where your postural and behavioral stuff is accumulating in your body that Mm -hmm. you can spend just 15, 20 minutes a day, you know, with a little bit of gentle mobility work, a little bit of strengthening work that you can do at home with bands and things like that. And then a little bit of myofascial release, you have all the tools you need to start undoing some of this stuff and to really, you know, maximizing and, and maintaining that range of motion so that, um, so that there's a balanced effect around the joints, which allows them to stay healthy for longer. And then when there's a balanced effect around the joints, there's a balanced effect through the tissues. No one tissue is being told to do more work than others. And they, there starts to be less irritation in the soft tissues as well. So 
you know, it's, it's designed to just be like, Hey, try this stuff out, see how you feel about it Mm -hmm. and then do the stuff that's helpful. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, a, a great, um, a great thing because everybody's everybody's busy, right? And and, and yes. nobody, you know, that's that's. I don't know about you, Allison, but I know for me, that's that's like the biggest pushback I get when I'm trying to recommend doing some mobility work or or this that or the other. It's like I just don't have time. Where do I have yeah. time? Yeah. And so if you can kind of focus in on the trouble spots, and hopefully maybe kind of focus in on or you know broaden out a little bit too, but at least starting there, focusing on the trouble spots and and maybe seeing some progress there, it might help to maybe absolutely make people re- recognize like, hey, maybe I do have yeah. you know. 20 minutes while I'm watching TV to instead of being on the yeah. couch, like sit on yeah. the floor and, and have use the walls and use the tools and, and loosen and up that And that's exactly way. how it shows up in my life is like every evening, my husband and I are here catching up on our day, watching, you know, the stuff that we have recorded to watch. And like, I, I, I'm on the floor, I got my balls underneath me, I'm wiggling around or I'm doing a little bit of mobility work and I'm carrying on a conversation with him. And, you know, it's like, this is when you look at it that way, if I can just do it at home and it doesn't require me to change clothes, I'm not even going to get sweaty. I don't have to drive somewhere. All of that, all of those barriers start to disappear when you realize there's a lot really helpful stuff you can do in your living room while you're hanging out with your family. You just have to be intentional. You just have to make a point to actually yeah, do it. Absolutely. Which is, which is sometimes where it, it tricks, trips me up. And I know better, you know, so it's, it's yeah. one of those things. Oh, me but, too. Um, yeah. One, one thing I noticed, and, and would love to touch on this at least, at least briefly, um, and I feel like I know the answer, but I'll, I'll play, I'll play, uh, I'll play like I don't know the answer. Um, you, you were nice enough to send over the the digital uh, manuscript of the book, so I could look through it a little bit. And um, you know, just looking at the at the table of contents, and and like you said, broken down, nice and nice and easy. I'm you know, part one, feet and lower legs. I'm like, yep, that makes sense. Knees and hips, core, lower back. And then we get to part four, shoulders, upper back, and neck. As as runners, why do we why do we need to worry about our shoulders, upper back, and neck? Because um, hello, running like lower body, you know, maybe into the, yes, into the core, but upper back shoulders, like, come on, why do we, why do we need to have a section like that for runners? Wow. There's, there's, yeah. So I, I, number of the, for the biggest thing that jumps to mind. So obviously there are some people that experience pain. I, in this, as I started to coach runners, it was shocking to me how many people are experiencing pain in their shoulders from running, Mm -hmm. um, and, and in their neck afterwards. And it was like, wow, like what is happening there? That's weird. Let me see what's going on. And a lot of it is just from, you know, we spend most of our days with our arms in front of us resting on something Mm -hmm. or just holding something in front of us. So we're in this pattern of shoulder flexion, your arms are forward um, and they're passively there for most of the day. So they're not even being lifted, but, and then just poor posture, right? Gravity's pressing down on us. And so we start to kind of slump in on ourselves. The shoulders roll a little bit forward as the pecs get a little bit tighter. And then if you were to get up from your desk and then try to take that body that sat in that position all day running, right? Again, we have tightness developing on the front of the shoulder and and not so much happening on the back of the shoulder Mm -hmm. because none of that requires the back of your shoulder to be active. Um, a lot of it is actually lengthening and kind of, kind of putting them in a timeout. And Mm -hmm. then when you go to run, if you, if you run in a pattern where you're kind of coming forward through the shoulders, not only can there be some irritation to, um, some of the tissues around the shoulder, the biceps tendon, um, which connects them to the labrum. So there can be some issues there. There can be some rotator impingement issues. Um, so there's, there's some interesting things that happen there just from that imbalance of the way that we spend time. But from an efficiency perspective, your upper back and shoulders are incredibly important. Right. Um, they, they, they kind of tell your upper body, your lungs and your diaphragm where they're sitting in space. And so if you're collapsing forward due to tightness developing or hypertonicity in the the front of your body. And then this kind of lack of activation in the back of your shoulders and upper back, then there's this caving in effect where you're caving in onto yourself and onto your diaphragm, which makes it a lot harder to get a breath Mm -hmm. and to be relaxed in the way that you breathe. So there's you know, if, if you're if you're pressing on your diaphragm and it's not able to expand and give you those full belly breaths or, you know, those more, uh, you know, relaxed breathing pattern, then you're using all of your emergency accessory breathing muscles around the top of your rib cage and through your chest, which are not efficient breathing right. muscles. So you're you're draining the tank just to breathe 
which is problematic <laughs> yes. when you're trying to power yourself through a race and get faster is like, number one, you can't breathe. So that's going to slow you down. Number two, it takes more energy to breathe. So that's going to slow you down. Um, so you have the pain aspect, you have the breathing aspect, and then having activation and the rear of your shoulders over longer races. Um, so working pull-ups and working the stuff on the back of your shoulders really allows you to maintain an upright posture for mm -hmm. longer so that fatigue takes less of an effect on you. So at the end of the race, as you start, if you've ever noticed your race pictures from beginning to end of the race, usually, unless you see the photographer, you're a little bit more schlumpy mm -hmm. towards the end of the race. And that's just, I mean, it's already feeling hard at the end of the race. And then you add on to it, you're having trouble breathing because you're folding in on yourself and your gravity is now pressing down on you. So a lot of that ability to stay open through the chest and to be able to continue to breathe efficiently in the late stages of races has to do with how much endurance you have in the strength and the muscles in your upper back and upper shoulders. Yeah. It's, and like I said, I kind of play devil's advocate with the question. Cause I, it's, it's all of those things are so important and, you know, and, and something that you kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but like everything's so connected too. So like yeah. if you have tightness or weakness or something's not right somewhere, then, you know, sometimes that's where the problem begins or, or, or shows itself, but sometimes yeah. it shows somewhere else. So, you know, Absolutely. like taking care of the whole body, even though runners, yes, lower body, that's pretty important, but you know, don't forget, don't lose sight of the forest for the trees and everything is, is connected and we need to Absolutely. pay attention to the upper back and, and just your arm swing too. I mean, shoot, you, your yeah. arm's got to swing. Like that's, that's yes. a lot going on there. So great. yeah. And so if the, what I've noticed is that if there is imbalance around the joint itself and the shoulder, just that arm swing, even though it's not weight bearing and it feels pretty effortless, just that movement forward and back can be enough rubbing to mm -hmm. cause a deep um, joint structure issue within the shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, our bodies are pretty incredible, but boy, if we, we, we treat them wrong, like they, you know, they, they come yeah. back and, and, uh, don't, don't be happy for a while. So got to, sure. got to take care of all of, all of the parts. And, um, for those listening that, uh, are, are interested, once again, the durable runner, uh, available, I believe November 1st, is that the uh, official, official date? Don't know the official, official date, official? Um, okay. but it's, it's going to be early November for sure. So. Early November for sure. You can already pre-order it on Amazon. Like I said, there'll be a link in the show notes. Yep. Um, one last question before we get you out of here, Allison. And, and, and the way I like to kind of wrap things up uh, is something I call a philosophical question, um, which it sounds sometimes scary, but it's really not that big of a deal. It's just kind of like the introductory question, very open-ended. Uh, you can take it whichever way you want to go with it. And that's where we'll, we'll wrap things up for today. Um, but uh, just curious, you know, at this, at this point in your life, you know, 15 years into running, dealing with a bunch of injuries, um, career shifts that have, that have come about because of it. Um, what, what still gets you out the door? to get your runs on. Why, why do you still, you know, why is, is running still as important or maybe even more important to you than it's ever been uh, at this point? Why, why do you keep getting out and getting your miles in on a regular basis? You know, I mean, like running has been, has been many different things to me throughout my time as a runner. And it, it's always served a different purpose at every point along the way. I mean, there were times where I was driven heavily by, you know, and I'd say the overarching theme of, of why I do almost everything that I do in my life is this idea of pursuing awesome, of just pushing, understanding that, you know, like, I think we, we, we all have this idea in our head about what we're capable of. Mm -hmm. And some of that is just not true, but we carry on with, with that, that belief. And we allow these fears of, of potentially failure or, or, you know, letting ourselves down kind of dictate what path we take in life. And, you know, running was one of those things I never thought that I would, I would do or even do well. And, um, you know, as, as time kind of went on, it became this really marvelous way for me to quantify improvements and, and change within my life to see, look at, I mean, going farther, I'm able to run a little, this, this race distance faster, or, you know, I'm, I'm able to mentally get through this challenge a little bit better. So for me, it was, it's, it's just really this, you know, exploration of potential, you know, like I think every time I, I get to a place where I'm like, um, I'm kind of feeling stagnant or, or unsatisfied or, you know, I, I can look at running and, and, and realize that there's, there's so much more potential in all of us to continue to grow and expand in new and interesting ways. And it's not always about, you know, adding more miles or, or knocking time off of your, your PR, but 
there's, there's so much depth and complexity to what happens to you as you age through running, um, and what you learn about yourself and, and these different, different ways that you can explore yourself and, and progress and, and be proud of yourself. And I, I think that there's a shortage of people out there that are actively being loud about being proud of themselves. You know, we're all downplaying the accomplishments we have. And I just wish more people would get out there and brag about the things they've mm-hmm. done because the world needs to hear that we're doing, that we're out there doing awesome things. And I think that that is like my major contribution and what running is for me is this, you know, sort of place where I can say, it's not just me, guys. We all have more potential out there when you're really ready to go out and explore it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Amen to that, sister. So uh, once again, guys, the pursuit of awesome.com is the website, Twitter and Instagram. It's Allison Heilig. Eight, or, well, I'll spell the whole thing. I was going to start, just spell the last name, but we'll, we'll start at the beginning. I-T-S-A-L-I-S-O-N-H-E-I-L-I-G on Twitter and on Instagram. Dizruns.com slash 772 is a link back to the show notes. We'll have everything linked up there. Once again, the book title, The Durable Runner, A Guide to Injury-Free Running. Coming soon to a place where books are sold near you. Grab yourself a copy. I can't wait to get one and, and see the finished product as well. But uh, Allison, thank you so much for, for taking the time today. Thanks for uh, writing a book that I think is should be required reading uh, and, and not, not only required reading, but required continual implementation of what's in the book because, you know, we all want to stay healthy. We all want to, to achieve more, whatever our, our running goals are, whatever more is to each of us. Um, and staying healthy is, is if not the key, certainly one of the keys to get there. So uh, thank you for, for writing a great book. Thank you for all you're doing, all the awesomeness that you're putting out in the world. Um, and certainly appreciate your time today and wish you nothing but the best with the book, with the running and with whatever the next phase is in your running and life careers. Uh, but uh, again, appreciate the time and nothing but the best going forward. Thank you so much. This was fun. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation between Allison and myself. And as always, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was something that we talked about today that really kind of stuck with you a little bit or really kind of made you go, huh? Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, for me, it was when Allison talked about just kind of the, the, the desire that she has for continuous learning and to always be learning and always to be striving to learn new things. Obviously for her and, and for myself as well, it's it, a lot of times that's to do with, you know, the, the body and how our bodies work and the physiology and the kinesiology and, and exercise science and understanding, you know, running and running injuries and, and how that all plays into itself for us to help ourselves and to help the, the folks that we work with. But I think from even a broader perspective, um, just I th- kind of think that's what makes us humans, you know, that, that's what makes us the, the creatures that we are is that curiosity, that natural curiosity. And, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to claim to be holier than thou in this situation at all. Um, but I think too often, I know I do it. Maybe you do as well. Too often, instead of cracking a book and trying to learn something or using the internet to research something, to, to learn something, to educate myself, to make myself a better coach, a better runner, a better father, a better husband, a better member of society. Instead, we use the internet to watch YouTube videos that aren't even like helpful, beneficial, useful, educational YouTube videos. We watch cat videos or we watch fail videos or, you know, we pull up Netflix and watch whatever series, whatever show that there's nothing wrong with that on occasion. Sometimes it's good to be able to turn our brains off a little bit, but I think too often that's the fail safe too often you know, we, we kind of think that, ah, you know, my school days are done. I've, I've got it. You know, I, I kind of have things figured out and there's a little bit of learning that happens, but I don't think that for myself, at least that I'm intentional enough with my learning, um, in all areas of life. And so, you know, hearing Allison talk about it today and, and how she's kind of evolved professionally and, and strives to continue to learn new things. It was just kind of that, that reminder that like, yeah, I need to keep doing that too. I need to keep learning things to help my business grow. I need to keep learning things to improve my family life, to improve my relationship with, with Rebecca, to learn, learn whatever I can about whatever I can as much as I can, because I mean, there's no way we're ever going to learn it all. Right. But there's no reason we can't learn something 
uh, just about every day. And so uh, that was my takeaway, just that, that I need to be more intentional about learning things, running life and everything in between. I need to do that on a regular basis. Uh, and that was my takeaway from today. So what about you? What stood out to you from this episode? I would love to hear it. Let me know on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm at Dizruns in both places. You can also shoot me an email, Dizruns at gmail.com. And of course, you can head over to the show notes for today's episode, which you can find at Dizruns.com slash 772. Leave your thoughts, feedbacks, comments, takeaways there as well. Also, in the show notes for today, you can find all the links, photos, all of the things, place to get Allison's book, get it pre-ordered. If, if the book is already out by the time you're listening to this, it, we'll have the link there as well. You can order the book, and that will be that will be a, an Amazon affiliate link, so that's a great way to support the show as well. You order the book. I get a little cut off of it. Uh, it doesn't cost you a penny more. It doesn't take any money away from Allison either. Um, everybody wins. Everybody wins. You get a great book. She gets the royalties for the book. I get a couple of shekels for referring you. I mean, you know, that's that's the way that's the way it works. I'm not going to try to to be sneaky about it. That's that's the way that uh, Amazon works, and and every every little shekel certainly counts. So that is it for today. Once again, don't forget to check out Wineup. You know, if, if you're counting your shekels, if if you're trying to to stay on top of things, to make sure you can you know go on that next racecation or sign up for that that local race or or whatever it might be. Get that get that new pair of shoes or saving up for a fancy new watch. That's that might be on my list pretty soon too. Um, Check out Wineab. Check out You Need a Budget. That's disruns.com slash Wineab. Because you can get a free, you'll get a free 34 days whether you go directly to the website or whether you come through my link. But if you decide you like it and you want to stick with it and sign up for a subscription, you get a, a bonus free month for going through my link, disruns.com slash Y-N-A-B. And also, full, disclo- full disclosure, I'm not trying to be sneaky here, that also gives me an extra free month too. So again, we both win. You get a free month. I get a free month. Everybody gets a free month if you go through tizruns.com slash Y-N-A-B. Try it out. If you like it, great. And you don't even have to put your credit card in first. You know, you can sign up, try it for 34 days. If you like it, then you can pay. If you don't, hey, no harm, no foul. doesn't cost anybody anything. So check it out. And if you have any questions on that, let me know. So with that, let's go ahead and pull this pull this one into, into harbor. Pull this ship into, into, into dock, uh, if you will. Um, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one. As always, there's lots of things to learn from this one. Definitely get a copy of Allison's book. I can't wait to get the proper copy in my hand, but just looking from the, the proof that she sent over, it's a good one. Lots of great information there, so I can't recommend it enough. Uh, and until next time, be well, take care. Thank you again for listening, and we'll talk soon, all right? Take care, guys.